lesson this morning. We'll let, look at the uh, lesson aims this morning that says that we want to summarize Ananias' objection uh, and uh, the Lord's response. Then also explain in our text this morning the significance of blindness as a possible spiritual metaphor. Then uh, cultivate an attitude that seeks clear and uh, spiritual sight in our daily walk. So as we get into our study this morning, hopefully we'll be able to glean those uh, uh, thoughts and to be able to get a greater understanding. Saul of Tarsus. In our scripture this morning, uh, and before we get into our text, I do like to thank all of those who came out yesterday. My son and his wife and family drove in from Missouri, and we had a little cookout yesterday inviting them and their family and their friends and the neighbors all came in to show their love uh, as my son and his family came and first introducing our family to his wife and family. So we thank God for those who had come out to celebrate with us. So let's get into our study again this morning, Saul of Tarsus. Our scripture reads in Acts 9, chapter verses 9 through 17, and he was three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple of uh, Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Verse 11 says, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas of one called Saul of Tarsus, for he, behold, he prayed. And, uh, and have seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard of many uh, of this man and have much evil that he has done in the saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call upon thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he should suffer for my name's sake. Last, not, the last verse, verse 17. And us went on his way and entered into the house and put his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thy camest, has sent me that, I mightest that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And our text this morning, our key text is that uh, last verse uh, that, uh, that we just read. So again, we want to look at this summarized Ananias objection to the Lord's response, then explain the significance of blindness as a possible spiritual metaphor and cultivate an attitude that seeks clear spiritual sight. So as we get into our introduction this morning, you know, John Newton of 18th century Englishmen who served as captain of ships during the transportation of slaves from Africa to Northern America and this horrendous nature of that uh, occupation included not only the uh, acceptance of slavery, but also the uh, imposition of the inhuman conditions 
that they had on the ships for those that they were carrying. Uh, to do this, one needed a callous soul. And then in 1748, Newton was in a terrifying storm in his ship on the coast of Ireland. And then fearing for his life, he began praying in a way that led to his conversion in Jesus Christ. Eventually becoming a, mem a minister in 1764, he began writing about his faith. And in 1772, he published the words of Amazing Grace. Uh, a semi-autographical account of, of, of how God has saved a wretch like me. And one of the most notable lines in this uh, hymn is that I was blind, but now I see. And when this phrase was drawn from the story of Jesus healing the blind man in John chapter 9, verses 25, it fits the story of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus in our text this morning. And also, Damascus is in Paul's day was an ancient city, uh, being inhabited about 3,000 years. And, and it figures prominently in Old Testament narratives, but mentioned 44 times in the book of Hebrew. And it lies about 150 miles north of Jerusalem. And then uh, we talk about Saul. We meet Saul later, is known as Paul, beginning in Acts 13 9, when he acted as a witness at the stoning of Stephen. He held the coat of Stephen while the Jews were uh, uh, stoning Stephen. He was presented elsewhere as an ambitious young man building his career in the Rabbinic tradition of Jerusalem, and he trusted serving in the temple officials. He was not a priest. He was not a Levite. But what he did, he tried to uh, uh, do all he could to advance his uh, uh, ministry. And the greatest of this, he became a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was educated under this feet of Gamaliel. So uh, this climbing up the ladder, Paul was uh, wanted to get the church on his side and getting them uh, persecuting the Christians was a way for him to show that uh, that he could be trusted. And then Paul uh, on the Damascus Road is told three times in Acts once. Uh, narrated by Luke in Acts 9, 1 through 19, twice told by Saul and Paul himself in uh, 22 chapter and the 26th chapter. And Saul had struck blind by the Lord on that road. Subsequently, Saul was being led by the hand into the city. And I'll text uh, earlier before we got into our writing this morning. So as we start our study this morning, let's talk about Saul's waiting. Uh, days of fasting. In verse 9, it says that he was three days without sight. Neither did he eat nor drink. You know, we can certainly imagine that Saul was thinking of these three days without sight, food, and drink. And uh, and then, uh, fill this in, but only in general terms in our text today, uh, how he had to deal without it. But uh, he was used to fasting. Fasting was a thing that, uh, that the Jews did anyway. So he was fasting three days without food. And the disciple at Damascus, in verse 10, it says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and, and to him, uh, said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And then in our text, we want to understand that now God is sending a Paul to this man named Ananias. And Ananias was a disciple already converted to Christianity. He 
he became a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe after this, this the, the, the dispersion or the scattering that happened after Pentecost. When Pentecost happened, Christians scattered everywhere. So God was able to send people out to form churches, become disciples by the scattering. God sends people your way uh, in a way to encourage you and to get you on board in this faith that we are in. And he said that, and he said, and a Lord in a vision, as he called Ananias, and Lord said, Lord, here I am. Uh, just like the prophet said, Lord, here I am, use me. So here Ananias is presenting himself unto the Lord as, a, um, as, as, as an obedient servant, one who is willing to do what uh, the, the Lord wants him to do. But he didn't know the details yet. See, uh, God also calls us, but sometimes he does not give us the details. And we're quick to say, Lord, I'll go. But then when he gives us the details, sometimes we have to think about those things. So directed by the Lord in our verse 11 in our text this morning, he said, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire into the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, and behold, he prayed. Uh, the instructions are detailed that there is no doubt regarding prayer and to whom Ananias is to go. And the street is called Straight. It's the Grand Boulevard there in Damascus. And, and they may indicate that a particular Judas, a homeowner, but he was a well-connected, wealthy person there in Damascus. And, and Paul was at his house praying. And God has sent now uh, Ananias who knew the history of Paul, knew what Paul's uh, uh, job was. Job, Paul was assigned by the church, by the Jewish church, uh, to be able to go out and capture every individual that was uh, in this newfound religion following Christ, being a follower of Jesus Christ. So he said that anybody that followed in the faith, uh, that, that, that uh, all of a sudden Paul had papers that gave him a right to do everything that he was doing at this time. So uh, now Paul, uh, Ananias knew about this. So now I said earlier, he didn't know the details, but now he's been told the details of his assignment. And his assignment is to be able to meet somebody who is killing and persecuting and arresting uh, people just like him. Just like him. Those that are serving the Lord. Verse 12. He said that he had seen in the vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting the hands on him that he might receive sight. I think I jumped the verse here. Excuse me. I jumped the verse. Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, he said that, and he had seen in the vision uh, a man named Ananias coming in and putting the hands on him that he might receive his sight. So Paul was there and, and praying and he praying to God and God had given him a vision. Uh, that a man named Ananias will come and it would lay hands on him and that he might receive his sight. Uh, so this information, Ananias learned that he was not only the one who had received a vision, Saul himself also had received a vision preceded by Ananias. And even though Saul had been blinded, Ananias learned something else as well. He was to be God's chosen instrument uh, uh, for Saul to receive his sight. And the pitch is remarkable. Powerful Saul, a Roman citizen uh, of a mean city in a house of a wealthy Judas, praying and blind. The outcome determined by the Lord could have been accomplished easily by the Lord himself. 
But in some way, God uses us, me and simple men like you and I, to do the work that he does. But God does not instead work with a human as he often did and still does. God is working with you and I each and every day to be able to do his bidding for him. Get into a second part of our study today, Ananias' objection. Again, I told you earlier, he knew the reputation and he knew what Paul's uh, uh, reputation was and, and what authority that he had. Uh, here, fear of Saul, verses 13 and 14 in our text this morning. And then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard of many of this man that he has much evil that he has done to the saints there in Jerusalem. And he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all that call upon your name. So Ananias is praying to the Lord. He said, Lord, you know what uh, this man has the authority to do. And then you're telling me to go and pray for him and so that he can receive his sight. And once he receives his sight, he will see who I am. And then he'll have the authority to arrest me. See, when God sends you into a place, it's not always a comfortable place. God will send you a place that, that fear, and, and sometimes it takes all the boldness that you have. You have to put your trust in him. So God has put him in a situation now that I'm facing a, a dangerous situation, a dangerous man who has the authority to do things uh, by the Jews, uh, by the chief priests, and, uh, and I have uh, that fear for him and for my own life. Now, what do I do? What do you do? What do you think when God sends you into a place uh, that you have fear of and sends you a place where the authority has a right to arrest you? What do you do when you get into those situations? In verse 15, plans for Saul. But the Lord said unto him, unto Ananias, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. See, the Lord had chosen uh, his disciple Ananias uh, 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 for, for, to be able to go and to do his bidding to get Paul uh, ready for the assignment that he has. And uh, instead, the Lord revealed part of his plan uh, even to Saul and Ananias. Henceforth, Saul was to be the chosen vessel for the Lord to be able to carry the word uh, not only to the Jews, he said, but to the Gentiles and the kings. So God has Paul as, a, as an assignment. So each of us have an assignment to do for the Lord. And our job is to do what God has assigned us to do. He's looking for willing vessels that are willing to be able to do the work that you're called to do, even if it's uncomfortable. A comfortable work is easy to do, but when you're put in an uncomfortable situation like Ananias, sometimes fear comes over you. So God told him to go thy way, walk, go in peace, go with encouragement, go without fear, because he said that I have chosen him to be a vessel to me to bear witness unto the Gentiles, he said, to kings and unto the children of Israel. See, in our text again in verse 16, he says, I will show him how great thing that he will suffer for my name's sake. See, not only was, uh, was uh, Ananias was going to take some risk, he said that I'm going to take Paul and choose him to be able to show him great things, not that he will uh, uh, gain the benefits, not that he will uh, 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 
get rich over, not that he will build a great church, not that he will have a great ministry. No, he will suffer for my name's sake. See, we in ministry now, we think that everything is going to be, be, be a prosperous church, a mega church, or a large ministry. See, sometimes God puts you in a situation where you're going to have to suffer for him. And every apostle suffered for the sake of Jesus, except John, who died on an island by himself. Everybody left him alone, and he dared to die on an island called Patmos. So, but all of the other apostles died. Even uh, look at our deacons, uh, Stephen was stoned, you know. And 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 we got to understand that that and Philip, all of those guys suffered for the sake of the gospel. Uh, gospel man is a, a, is an easy street in a sense, but we are not on the easy street. We are to suffer for the sake of the Lord. So we thank God for him showing us that things are not always easy in the ministry, and you got to deal with the good as well as the bad. He said the Lord's healing is our third part of our study. Obedience, verse 17, says that, And that eyes went his way, and he entered into the house, and putting hands on him, said, uh, Brother Saul, then the amazing called him brother, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee uh, on the way, and thy camest, has sent me, that thou might receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Here are the half of the verse ties together that clarifies the Lord of the vision had none other than Jesus himself, and it was none other than he who had appeared unto Saul on that road to Damascus, and now he was directing him through how to get prepared to the mission that he has called him to do. He's going to suffer for my name's sake, but here you have to lay hands on him and him being filled with the Holy Ghost, because without the Holy Ghost being filled in his life, he is not able to accomplish what God has for him to accomplish. So he said that, look beyond the fear, Ananias. Go into the house, put hands on him. And then, he, I said earlier, he called him Brother Saul. See, all of us, he didn't call him pastor. He didn't call him bishop. He didn't call him by any title. He called him by something that has a relationship. See, we in church now always want a title. I'm a bishop this, I'm an apostle this, I'm a prophet this, I'm a deacon this, I'm a, a minister this, I'm a pastor this. No, my name is Major and my, my title is Brother. My name is Brother Major. That means now I'm in a relationship with you. I'm your brother and you're my brother. I'm your sister or you're my brother. All is We're all in relationship one with another in Christ Jesus. So he said that he was going to pray for him. God had appeared unto me to be able to pray for you so that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's our inclusion of our lesson this morning. That God... His first action was after having his sight restored was to be baptized. See, uh, being baptized by the Holy Spirit so that you can be able to be equipped to do the work God has called you to do. So he was strengthening his soul and his body. Late in our text tells us other that Saul sought to that others sought to kill Saul, even listing support of the governor of the city to arrest him. Instead, Saul's life was saved in a surprising way. They let him down in a basket to be able to help him escape. Regarding the current lesson, the final case is particularly interesting in, for two reasons. First of all, 
Uh, it was the time when Saul began to be referred to as Paul. He went from being Saul apostles to what? To Paul. And then secondly, ironically, in the uh, in that same one who was had been struck blind as an enemy of Jesus became an instrument of Jesus as a child of the devil and an enemy of all righteousness. And now he's being struck blind. Being not only an enemy of God, he became what? The one that would carry the gospel to the Gentiles uh, and to the rest of the world. You and I uh, uh, have been uh, uh, given the word of God through the writings of Paul wrote most all of the books into the New Testament. Thirteen books, I believe, in the New Testament he wrote. And, and, and because of this incident, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the obedience of Ananias going fearfully to be able to approach Paul, who was an executioner, and a, uh, uh, he, he convicted those that were uh, 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 in the church at that time, having the authority to arrest them. So Ananias had to lay aside all of that fear, to be able to God's plan to be fulfilled, to carry out the great work. So that's our duty. Cast out all fear. He said, love cast out all fear. So we have to cast out all fear in order for us to do the work that God has called us to do. So as we conclude our Sunday school this morning, conversion call or both. The story of Saul's experience on the way to Damascus is usually portrayed as conversion. And this is a valid description in that the episode does show a life transformed from an unbeliever to a believer, one who was baptized and received the Holy Ghost. But was that Luke's intent in documenting this story? Is Saul's conversion experience with this particular vision and drama intended in some way to model or to a, 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 a conversion in our lives today? Certainly, conversions over centuries has been dramatically sudden and powerful. I've heard stories, and, and you have too, but I've never heard of an unbeliever being called in a vision of, of this sort of mission uh, to which Paul was called. He was a young man who Jesus simply had to have as his servant. See, some people... Um, uh, God wants to have, I joined into the Gideon ministry before I went into the gospel. They take deacons or members of churches that are active and they employ them into the Gideon ministry. They are not looking to build men. They are looking for men that have already uh, a reputation of working for the Lord. They are looking for someone who already has uh, uh, some zeal for the Lord. See, certainly many conversions over centuries has been dramatic, like I said, but this young man, Saul, uh, uh, was already, God had a desire to use this man. His zeal was such that God said, if he's that aggressive working against me, if I can get that aggression working for me, it would be the best thing I could have. So he chose Paul because of who he was, because of his aggressiveness. And I said he was a young man. He was passionate. So Jesus did not have to serve passion into Saul because Paul was already compassionate. He did not have to uh, infuse Saul with some knowledge of the scripture. Paul said of Gamaliel, he was knowledgeable. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And, and, and 
And he was admittedly, but unknowingly to Paul, he, uh, he had been preparing himself for this role that God has for him from the very early of his life, even up to the present time. So God uh, somehow takes you through a journey in your life. And that journey is to prepare you for the ministry that he has for your life. God doesn't start training you the day he calls you. God has a life of training that he's taking you through life experiences. So those life experiences will help prepare you for the work that God has assigned for your life. We have to understand that Jesus can still redirect a person's life while using all that person's life experiences for the kingdom service. God took you through stuff not for you to forget and leave it behind. God took you through stuff to build you up, to fortify you so you can be ready for the task ahead. See, we should be on the lookout for such people, people whose life experiences their education could result in being massively influential in the service for the risen Lord. Would you be easier? Would it be easier to create zeal in an apathetic person or to take a zealous person and redirect that zeal to Christ? So that's what God did to you and I. We weren't been, oh, we've been saved all our life. Yes, you've been saved, but you did not have uh, what you needed to serve the Lord unless the Lord gave it to you. See, think about people you know and those people that you have heard whose lives have been transformed by the gospel and redirected to do great things for the Lord. Mean people, evil people, God has changed them, redirected that energy and zeal towards serving him. And just as they serve the world, I tell people anyway, as a pastor, I have the same zeal I have when I was running than now that I'm running for the Lord. How does your own story mesh with this story about how God used you while you were? God don't try to make you into something else. God wants to use you for who you are and then transform your life into something that he can use to glorify his name. All glory go to him. So our prayer today. It's Heavenly Father, it's sobering for us to think how well you know us, but thank you for the inspiring stories of your zealous ones that we have, and then empower us and guide us to have the similar zeal in doing the great things for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Let the household of faith say, Amen. So our thought to remember is God calls us not only to him, but also for him. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you. We thank you for joining us this morning at our Sunday school hour. Again, my wife is not with me this morning. I'm used to having her with me.